0: Welcome to Behind the Smoke Podcast, Barbecue War Stories. My name is Sean Walcheff with Cali Comfort Barbecue. We are recording Above the Butcher Shop with my man Derek Marceau from Valley Farm Market. What's going down, Derek? Not much. Just running around like a chicken,
1: but everything's good. Fe- you know, happy I got here. Sorry for uh, making us be a little late today, but I had the times mixed up, which happens. And um, just happy that we could actually make it happen 45 minutes later than what we wanted to.
0: Yeah, today's episode is very special for us. Podcasting is something that's just been really cool because it's allowed us to develop relationships with people, but also connect with people on a deeper level and bring their story to our listeners so that hopefully they can learn. And one of the things that people um, that listen to the podcast have reached out the most is they want to start a catering company or they want to improve their catering operations and um, having grown up in San Diego and having watched what happens in business. Uh, a name that kept popping up was Picnic People. And Picnic People, um, they are 34-year-old company that is just always done incredible things, always made very impressive moves. And we were so fortunate to meet the CEO and founder um, at Fort Worth, actually, National Barbecue Association. We were down there and She came up and introduced herself to me. Lisa Richards, uh, welcome. Thank you for coming on Behind the Smoke.
2: Thank you, guys. I'm just really happy to be here. This is a cool studio.
1: Yeah, it's different. You know, I've uh, been to a few different studios, and I can say that this is probably uh, a little different than than most. Um, And I would like to say that I think Sean and I are probably a little bit different than most. (laughs) It suits us uh, fairly well. Fairly well.
2: Well, I'm happy to be here.
0: So first of all, let's talk about, because we had lunch together at Urban Solace and I got to meet your business partner um, in that project, which is Chef Matt Gordon, Mm -hmm. another person that I've admired from afar. Uh, Incredible restaurant, absolutely immaculate inside. The food was spectacular, but um, we talked about continuing education and about the conference specifically, National Barbecue Association, and why it was important for you to be at that conference Um, tell us a little bit about that.
2: Well, when I first understood the difference between grilling and smoking, which was probably 20 something years ago, I went to my first MBBQ meeting and it was in Fort Worth. And I met a gentleman named um, Wiley McRae. And I just fell in love with the whole idea of barbecue. And I learned everything. I could. I thought I knew everything in three days. You know. Sure. <laughs> that's that's the beauty of, of good education. Um, and then I took a few years off and went to some other types of of uh, trade shows and things and realized that the MBQ not only was the tips and handy hints and do it this way or don't do it this way, but it was the camaraderie and the people that are so passionate. I'm so focused on barbecue that I come back not only more s- smarter, but I come back totally motivated to try something new. Sure. So I won't miss a year.
0: Well, how, let's let's go to the origin story. How, how did you start Picnic People? How do you start a catering business? How did that idea? How did
2: that? I didn't start as a caterer, actually. It's a good question, Sean. I um, started because uh, you went the... The pulled, yeah. Pulled oh, okay. Oh, we
0: want okay. the Don't want you want the hold back. Yeah. I okay. want okay. it all. Okay, want, guys. So, you know, this is this is <laughs>
2: well, I what I did was pretty creamy my parents actually. I was in school at the University of San Diego
1: uh-huh.
2: up on the hill nice, you know a little Catholic school.
1: Sure. USC is beautiful. It is beautiful and
2: school. and I it was just lovely. And I was pretty bored and uh have a little bit of a tension issue and <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, do you yeah. um yeah i think it kind of goes with our territory our food and attention deficit so i took my summer school money i was supposed to be taking botany and anatomy and i went and bought a sailboat <laughs> and i bought a little red sailboat attached it on the back of my green volkswagen rabbit nice and i went and taught myself how to sail uh, on mission bay Wow! wow. I had no idea what I was doing. Go around
1: talk. Fiesta Island, hanging yeah, out. Yeah,
2: hanging out Fiesta Island, and I would look around on the grass, and I would see these people planning picnics, and I was fascinated because I grew up in Phoenix, Arizona. A picnic to us was we would go out to the mountains and under a covered shelter, and the only barbecue I went to growing up was the Kiwanis barbecue. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it's a national treasure event. So I watched these people pull out their coolers and their Weber barbecues out of their trunks of their car. And I'd pull the boat up and I just would watch. And it was so fascinating. So I started, not shy, I went up and started saying, what are you doing? And they, these sweaty people would say, I'm, we're having our company picnic. We have a company picnic here every year. And I said, well, how much fun. So I watched and families came and everybody's doing their potluck thing and it's happening. And then they started... A, Activities for the kids, and nobody looked very happy. Right, but, you know that guy. They're working really hard. And you now these are the days when there was FedMart, well, probably before you were born, but uh, the precursor to you know Price Club. Right. So literally, they just had FedMart bags everywhere. And so I thought, I can do this. I can do this. How hard is this? This can't be hard. So I uh, continued to disobey my parents, and eventually they found out when I did. They didn't get a. a you know, whatever you get in the mail from school saying your daughter passed summer school because that didn't happen. Right.
0: They got a picture of your sailboat.
2: Yeah, <laughs> they did. I got in big trouble and my father, God bless him, I just adore him, my business mentor, said, we're done. We're done. You don't get another dime. You got to figure out how to do this. Bye-bye. Nicest right. thing he ever did. So I had odd jobs. Worked at Sears Tuxedo Rentals and some other strange things. I was the world's world's worst Waitress for about two
1: months,
2: <laughs> and I thought I'm going to do this picnic thing. So I went down to the Chamber of Commerce and I bought their their directory, and the, all these companies were listed. And I thought, okay, I'll just start calling and see what happens. So I made the phone call, and I happened to call Coal Construction Company, my very first phone call. Coal, K O L L, well known, respected company in San Diego in the, in the eighties. This was actually 1978, and. I got a woman on the phone. Her name is Brenda Zelinsky. Her name is like embossed on my forehead. <laughs> and she said, if you can get here in, in an hour and a half, two hours, you can do our picnic. I said, okay. So really? I went over there. I had never made a sales call on anybody. Wow! I had no idea what I was doing. But boy, can I explain an experience. <laughs> so I had her so excited that she didn't have to go to Fedmark, that she didn't have to bring her grill. That her husband wasn't going to have to play you know, hula hoop games with the kids. Sure. That this was going to be a, a done deal. So I left and I didn't ask for money and I didn't have a contract. I didn't have a business card. <laughs> but I went down to Love's Barbecue Pit in Mission Valley. And Love's was in a, like an old Wiener Schnitzel building. And it went in and I said, I need to have a party. And essentially I was the client. And, and I said, I've got 100 people. And I ordered the food. And I said, I'll come back on Saturday and pick it up. And they said, okay. And they didn't ask for money. They didn't ask for anything. So I then I put it all together that week. I got my roommates to come, and, and I bought beer illegally when I think about it. <laughs> God, it was just, I don't nice. think I did much right. No health department permits. I mean, I, we could go down the list of stuff sure, I sure. didn't
0: do. But you, you know. figured it out.
2: I did figure it out. That's, I, I mean, did. That's,
0: that's part of the whole deal is just having the courage to know that this is what you want to do in your heart. And then knowing that you're just going to figure it out,
2: Derek, I I have no fear and probably not a lot of intelligence at that part (laughs) of my life. I was 20 and I uh, ended up throwing a great picnic for coal construction. They came back for three years in a row. And then on that third year, I had other clients too. I was, I was pulling in, you know, $120,000 a year, um, I didn't even know I was supposed to be paying taxes. (laughs) Right.
1: Did you... You are making profit. How would you do your profit there? I mean, you just said, okay, here's my expenses. Here's my expenses.
2: Here's my profit.
1: Yeah. Pretty simple, right? It's math. And they were fine with it?
2: Numbers don't lie. Yeah.
1: They they didn't bark at it at all? No,
2: what I did is once I figured out what things cost, Uh and I estimated high, and I figured, okay, I need to make 25% profit. Right. So I took my cost, and I marked them up, and I thought, oh, I can make a little more. So I put a little bit more on it until I and everybody squealed and i thought Mm -hmm. okay i've got some room Mm -hmm. let's see what i can add as far as value goes and as far as expanding the experience Mm -hmm. so i hired clowns and then i uh, i learned how to run a real uh horseshoe tournament and then i kept educating myself and and my roommates were like you know my wing girls back here were doing this (laughs) together and i just it just grew it grew and then And I never had to go back and borrow a dime from my dad, but I did promise him I would finish college. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't quite gone back (laughs) yet. And and, you know, he passed away this year, and I I just don't think he's gonna care anymore. Yeah. So I think I'm through that
1: gauntlet. Now, so with the growth, Obviously, you had to form an entity then when you were getting big enough. You formed your entity and created staff. What were some of the biggest hurdles you had to go through? Because, I mean, for us, I just know going through our caterings and our events that we do, growth is, you know, such a a great thing. But it could really bite you in the ass if you're not doing things right. Right. So getting the right people I I did
2: everything wrong, really everything wrong, Derek. And (laughs) then I met this lovely man. His name is Rick Richards, my husband of 38 years and uh, he said, if you're going to do this right, you've got to do this right. right. We, we've got to go get licenses. You've got to do all this. And no, I was not cooking. Mm-hmm. I was subcontracting food. Sure. And I'm working out of my house. And I've got two small boys. And uh, he's a he's was, he was a very smart man. He was a, a good business owner. And he was 11 years older than me. So I thought he was the wisest man on the earth. Sure. And he was for a while (laughs) until i I fired him like 22 years (laughs) later (laughs) but you know Uh, yeah you two don't know what that's like yet no but we're still married
1: well that's good so save um, the marriage
2: the growth came from realizing that i couldn't do it on myself and that my family was very important and those little people needed time and i knew exactly what I wanted, which was to not be in an office, but to be out of the office, promoting this idea of picnic people, mm-hmm. which was is an experience. It's not just the catering, it's not just the brisket, it's not the hot dog. And it's not the clown or the moon mounts or whatever else. It's the experience that, mm-hmm. that our guests are gonna take away. And how easy we make it for our clients. So I decided I didn't want to be the in house girl and I hired secretary mm-hmm. to do that. And then it just naturally started to grow. And I built a very strong office staff so I could be out doing what I do best. Right. So when it came to, to put in structure to it, we structured our business. Um, and I say we, my husband after three, after being in business for three years on my own, um, I was you know, grossing a little over $400,000 a year working out of the house and he left his job. He had a real job that right. he quit to go into the barbecue business. So he, um, we structured it like a major corporation. We mm-hmm. had a human resource and staffing department, which uh, recruited, hired, trained, staffed, fired everybody that worked for us. And and it's been it's the hardest job in the whole company. Mm-hmm. Sure. That and dishwashing, but it is a really important step for us to con- to recruit the right people. And then train them and then keep them. Retention is huge.
1: Sure. So at the point you're at that point, you were basically just a general contractor. You were basically you had your subcontractors with the food, you're implementing it in, getting different people to come in, the clowns, all that stuff. At what point did you take on more of the the food?
2: Well, what I decided to do was that I'm a control freak. Sure. And then I wanted to own everything. I uh-huh. wanted to own those clowns. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I started a, a clown school in my company. Okay. And then I wanted to have employees. I didn't want to have subcontractors. I wanted to have accountability. Mm-hmm. I wanted to know those people. I wanted them to be part of our picnic culture, <clears> picnic <throat> family. So I hired employees. No more you know, no more subcontractors. Mm-hmm. I bought moon bounces. Uh, we built beverage stands. We got a liquor license. And I just brought every single thing in-house. Right.
1: And then... Was that like year five? Year, year
2: five. Year five? Year five. Okay. And I was subcontract... I left loves barbecue pit after mm-hmm. like the first year. Okay. And I had a great catering partner who'd been in the business for years before. And I was really a grilling company. Yeah, I did burgers, dogs, and chicken, burgers, dogs, and chicken mm-hmm. for years. That's right. what people wanted. And, uh, I was paying this other caterer a million dollars a year. Right. And my husband said, there's really good margin in that hot dog. Yeah. We got to learn how to be caterers. Right. So that, that was uh, very intriguing to me, and I uh, looked around, talked to a lot of people, and I found Michael Roman, who was uh, at that point the, the emerging guru of off-premise catering. Was, he formed Cater Source and, and uh, he passed away three years, uh, three years ago, which was a huge loss to the industry and to me personally. But I hired him only to find out that I was his first client. Oh wow. He did the best thing telling me how he was a consultant and he'd build all these businesses. that was all a lie. Just like how you went
1: to, to Cole, right? Or whatever, that same yeah. thing. Yeah,
2: yeah. And then I thought, okay, <coughs> I had to love him because he's just doing the same thing I'm doing. Right. So he came in. And uh, Derek, he he uh, had been around to enough catering companies that he knew what good practices were, what best practices were. And he hired our first general manager who we brought in from Cincinnati. And we started a catering company. And he said to me, Michael said to me on my opening day, he said, it's going to take you seven years to turn you into a caterer. And it was seven years to the wow. day to learn how to run a kitchen. And and we started in a, you know, 900 square foot kitchen and eventually grew to a 6,000 square foot kitchen over the years. I mean, wow. the, the growth was exponential, really fast right. and then really slow for a while and then hurtled, you know, from, from 125,000, almost 10 million. At the height.
1: What, uh, what type of venues are you guys doing? I mean, who, who are your, your biggest clients? Who, who do you guys go after? What is your business model? Like, what, what, what are you guys trying well, to do?
2: We are a corporate, primarily corporate event hospitality catering company. Okay. Our clients are those who have responsibility for entertaining and morale in their company. Sometimes it's human resources, sometimes it's marketing. Sure. You know, it, it, somebody has, has been tapped that they have to do that.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: We very narrowly niched ourselves in the picnic business. I only wanted to be in the picnic business. And it was great because I had some seasonality to it. And mm-hmm. San Diego
0: is a good place to do picnics, too.
2: One oh. of the best. You know, I mean, <laughs> the further story way down the line is they franchised across the country. Cool. And got into uh, 11 different markets and found out that San Diego is by far <laughs> the best place to be able to do this.
1: Right.
2: So... Um, Going back to your, your question of, uh, what was your question?
1: The uh, What's your like, business model? Who are you okay. going after? What? Okay,
2: yeah. So I'm going after San Diego corporate clients. And at that point, our biggest competitors were the zoo and sea World
1: Because mm. we
2: didn't have a Shamu and we didn't have a cool elephant.
1: Right. But
2: we promote a family event. You come to a Picnic People event and you are together all day. You're playing and you're breaking bread together and you're... Having a beer if if, if that's what's uh, required, and playing volleyball, and being together.
1: Now, this is a location, or you, no. you can pick so, anywhere you want.
2: I, I go everywhere. Okay, I go from Yuma to the beach to into Orange County a little bit. People's houses. Border, people's houses. People's Tail, tailgates tailgates big tailgates mm-hmm. spend a lot of time at the stadium kind yeah. of worried about what they're going to do with the yeah. old Q parking lot
0: yeah we're going to find out about that August. well yeah. alliance is Ly-
1: the fleet football team, yeah, the Fleet alliance. football team they're supposed to be using that so but we
0: also have uh landon donovan we're going to have him on the podcast to talk about soccer city coming up Ooh, so that should be interesting that'll be
2: a good one so we're in the mobile off-premise catering business meaning i take my food my kitchen my staff and i can go anywhere and throw a party so they're not coming to me. I'm going to them. Mm-hmm. And like you said, I can do it in somebody's backyard. Sure. Uh, from the corporate business, I then started doing more social business, even picnic weddings or picnic rehearsal dinners. And then team buildings, people were calling us and saying, mm-hmm. we want to barbecue on a Wednesday and can you, it's all adults. You know? uh, one of my biggest events was 15,000 people, single sailors.
1: Oof.
0: All single sailors. 15,000 single sailors? sailors. 15, sailors where was that what on coronado
2: we actually stayed on coronado they didn't want those guys getting off and that was the point in the military where you could still drink yeah so they were drinking three two beer (laughs) and having a hoop to do time and it had to be you know clean entertainment we had miss california how many staff
0: did you have for fifteen thousand people
2: oh i think about 250 people work wow That's oh, a, that party. It was it so was you're stranger. saying we were
1: understaffed when we did our 6,000 people and had 12 <laughs> people trying yeah, to do we, it. You, you and
0: did me?
2: what you did yeah. 6,000 people. With I don't 12, know how many maybe? we
0: ended up doing. We didn't have more than 15 for sure. Yeah, and Derek and I were on the line for yeah. pretty much the entire event. That's another, uh, that's another story. Hey, that's a barbecue war know, story.
2: I can show you how to do that. Yeah, I can tell you how many people I've got 5,000 people coming up at the end of the month, and I have 120
1: people on it. Wow, so, well, so yeah, so we're understaffed. So,
2: only by 80%. <laughs> right.
0: So when did you decide that you needed your own facility and your own kitchen?
2: Uh, three years in. Three years uh, in. We decided that, you know, well, actually five years in from the start was okay. when we hired Michael and mm-hmm. built our first kitchen. He built our I didn't know what a tilting skillet was.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I I wanted a smoker. So I bought this little upright smoker. I thought I could do something with it. A little cook It was the greatest thing, but it had no volume. It couldn't right, do yeah. anything out of it. So I turned it into a cold smoker, and we did that. And then um, we grew to we were at, uh, three million. And when you get to three million mark, a lot of businesses have to decide if they're going to get big or hold. Sure. So we decided we were going to take that next step and get to that seven million mark. And and we bought a we, we bought a piece of land and built a thirty thousand square foot catering custom catering facility that was unbelievable. Where's that at? It's um, right off of Camino Ruiz and Miramar Road. And okay. What happened was we went around. We, being my husband and I, went around the country. Michael said, like Roman said, go see these people in Florida. So Derek, we took off, went to Florida, and you know saw electricity hanging from the roof. And <laughs> never thought about how easy it was to have electricity coming down instead of plugging into a wall. Right. And took all of this back, and it took us about 18 months to design it. You know, deep loading docks, great refrigeration space. Where, how
0: many plates? So you went on other site visits. How did yes. you make those connections?
2: Um, and Through MBBQ, I knew some of those people. Really, yeah, um, and they were, then through Michael Roman, I knew some of those people and CaterSource, which is the uh, association for and the conference in, as well, the conference right in Vegas well. for caterers right. and ICA. The uh, ICA is the uh, Catering Association, International Catering Association. I have a lot of friends through that. And, you know, caterers, you open your arm. Chefs want you in your kitchen. Sure.
0: Well, I think I think that's an important point that a lot of people overlook is that there are resources. But you have to be willing to ask, you know, would the more that we ask people at NBBQA when we go out there or we talk to other restaurant owners if you ask the question chances are i mean it's not we're not hiding anything you know if someone asked derek about you know what's going on in the butcher shop he's more than willing to help educate and i mean that's what gene did for us at cali comfort so um you just have to you have to be willing to ask
2: that's the joy yeah of sharing that knowledge
0: it's a curiosity
2: I, I didn't invent the hot dog but i can tell somebody <laughs> how to grill thousands of them if sure. they need it i love that sharing i love it And. That's how we got good at what we did by, by learning from other people. It, (coughs) you know, it, uh, I didn't finish college, didn't take any accounting classes, had to learn a lot of things. And I learned it by great mentors, by great chefs, um, incredible employees that came in and taught me how to treat people.
1: Okay. So now what if I were to say, okay, Lisa, I, I I got an event coming up and I'm going to have about a hundred people at my house. Is that something you do? What's your minimum? And then how do you come up with a menu. Do you just have a, your menu mapped out? I can pick from anything. How do you know how much to serve people? A lot of these, you know, I know we have our own algorithm that we use, mm-hmm. um, but we're getting a lot of questions from our listeners that want us to kind of dive into this a little mm-hmm. bit. So okay. I think it's something that we would uh, Okay. You know, so Derek, so I
2: said, what's your minimum and then how to uh, menus and then quantities?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Okay, cool. So our minimums are based on, don't have anything to do with the number of people, really. Okay. Our minimum uh, is $5,000 on a Saturday and $3,500 on a weekday. Okay. So I'll be happy to come and feed the two of you a delicious lunch (laughs) for $3,500 on a Wednesday. Game on. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I started out our business being a griller. So my menus were (coughs) primarily... Based on grilling, mm-hmm. and I'm a charcoal wood gal, uh no gas for me. And I built menus, I have 13 menus that can interchange based on what people need, what? and certainly have evolved and evolved and evolved over uh, the change in dietary likes dislikes. I still having trouble with gluten free buns though, Those right? It's are, hard, it's yeah. hard, man. yeah.
1: Literally, they're like, <laughs> <laughs> They're <That's laughs> very hard. If you're you know. missing a frisbee, you know <laughs> yes, where you can stress, get a substitute. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, oh, that'd be a fun game, wouldn't it? Like knock something down with a gluten-free bun. Exactly. Gluten-free bun. Yeah. All my
1: empty beer cans.
2: That could be a, a new carnival booth game for yeah. me. So um, we have menus. We, it doesn't limit me. Mm-hmm. It doesn't limit the kitchen uh we some people give us recipes and say my grandmother made this potato salad. I try not to do that. Sure. I, it'll never be as good as grandma's potato salad. Right. I stay away from things I don't do well. I'm I'm not a Mexican food caterer. I'm not an Italian caterer. I'm a you right. know
0: a I think barbecue that's,
2: queen. That's
0: really important. If just because you can do it doesn't mean you should do it. Exactly. We learned that in the restaurant. You know, we had a menu that was all over the place just because we thought that oh maybe we should have that because people have asked for it once we focused on what we do best it was a game changer for us less yeah, less is absolutely. more simplicity i think
1: what, what do they say if you can't cross utilize a product 7 times in 7 different entrees then you shouldn't use it
0: most of the time i yeah. mean
1: it's so hard cuz you want to say yes to everything but if someone wants you to bring in this just for them and it's like look i can i can't put this uh, ginger in anything else I don't yeah. have there's nothing else. so I, now I'm just buying ginger just for this one thing it doesn't doesn't make sense well, we just talked
0: Same. to Ted from Wheat and Water yeah. about La Pizza like our favorite pizza I don't he want to talk take, about he had, that he had to take it off the menu because it took too long the prep items just took too long and it was the only item that they used it in
2: and he learned trial and error yep. to right. find it yep, yep. and uh, I don't, I've, I've got my smoker I have a Southern Pride rotisserie smoker I was trying to figure it out I think 28 years ago at a trade show, and I in Las Vegas, and I rented a pickup truck, and I dragged it home. And it's just been bulletproof. I just love her. Right. Um, and then I had Wiley McRae come out from North Carolina, and he came and taught me how to how to really slow smoke. I sure. had no idea what I was doing, so that's when I started changing my menus. That's when the the uh, pulled pork came in, and that's when the brisket came in, and then. And it's that's so easy. So it yeah, it's really really that's
0: easy. important too. The advantages of slow smoking, like we do on our old hickory pit, is we can do it at the restaurant, cook it overnight, and then based off of the time of the catering, we can actually deliver it, slice it on site. When you're doing grilling, which is a great way to get in, it's great because you have the fire, live fire, and mm-hmm. that's something that you know a lot of people request from us is oh, are you going to bring the smoker on site? Like no, we're not bringing the old hickory on site. We're actually gonna, you know, slow smoke it and then bring it. Um, why? Why was it advantageous for you to get into the smoking game?
2: Well, because I can do it ahead. Yeah. That I do less time on, on site. I, I do eight piece chicken. I I put it in. I get it to temperature. I leave it in there three three and a half hours. Mm-hmm. I pull it out. I chill it. I take it out. I can. I put it on a live fire grill and re-therm it and there it goes right. and the flavor is great right. and I can do brisket I can do thousand know, pounds and freeze it and it's bulletproof it just really is amazing right. so I got in it because as I grew and was doing 15 events a day I had to be able to prep well in advance to get my proteins really done because you know how long it takes to make salads and do all that stuff. Oh, yeah. and you can't do those days in advance. Right. No. But I, I've got it down where I can get my proteins locked and loaded, and then retherm and out they go, and uh, it's delicious. It's easy. I, I, there's something spiritual about smoking and putting the food in and just watching it transform. Sure. You know, it, uh, it's, it's a time commitment. Uh, I just love it. I just love it. That's why MBBQ is so important to yeah. me. Yeah. You know, I just, I could the camaraderie around barbecue. And and I sell that to my clients. Mm-hmm. You know, I tell them, I'm, I'm out there putting this this hickory and this California oak in here, and this is what's going to happen. I mean, they don't know I push a button and
1: walk away, right. and yeah. back, you know, 12 hours later. But,
2: but.
1: don't, oh, they might listen. Don't, right. you know. <laughs> no, I mean, it's the same thing we do. I mean, I, I've told this story before, but when me and my dad first started smoking here um, together, we built a ton of smokers, offset smokers that, You know, we had to tend to the fire all the time and flute them and get them going and and making sure that it was just perfect. And to be honest, if I were to do a competition, that's what I would do again. Um, But the volume that I'm doing now, there's no way I can do it. I can't do that style smoking and create the volume. So Sean had the old Hickory Smokers, which is just similar to the what you have. And he's like, you know, oh, I I first started the I tried the um, the Com 200. Traeger, which is a toe behind big trigger right. pellet smoker, and which was great for um, the first couple of uses. It, it just wasn't a true commercial thing, and I mean, we we try to we run it all the time, and it just wasn't ready for for what we needed to. The rods would break, you know, augers would would mess up. So, <clears throat> and I couldn't be out of tri tip for four days why they send me a new auger you know so i know talking to sean and, and crying to him about it he's like look go to old hickory and get this smoker call them up luke was great everyone was great send it over and everything that if anything ever breaks which i've had mine for three years now four years nothing's ever broke it's been great um but you can get everything at granger and it's just, you know, I'm not down. I can just go run and get the part and, and fix it because um, they don't want you down at all. They want you, you know, to be to be yep. smoking all the time. But it is that thing where we cook it and we push a button and we put it, set it to the temperature and it goes. And, yeah, we're using real, real wood. Um, But it also has a cook and hold feature so that when it's done and it gets to the time that we want it to go, it goes down to 160 degrees and holds it at that temperature until we come and pull it off. And to do the volume that we do, you have to be able to do something like that. And yeah, maybe it might not be, you know, exactly what I do for competition. But I'll tell you this right now. My consumer... They don't want competition style brisket. If I were to feed them competition style brisket, I don't think they would like it nearly as much as what we do right now. It's just different. Feeding the masses is different than feeding someone mm-hmm. like a one bite, one perfect little thing. It's just completely different. It's a completely different animal. So I'm, I'm stoked where we're at. But like you said, it's yeah, they don't know that you click. You know, you push that button. But look, we had to do a lot of research to figure out how to do this and how to do it right. And sometimes that button clicked is, is the way to go. Oh, it's the only way to get any sleep. Yeah,
2: you know I have triggers in my backyard. And right. Same thing there. You got to make sure you're feeding them those pellets. And right, everything. and
1: feeding them pellets, and then like I said, the augers and the the heating element on them again. I, we talked with Chad Ward, and I know he wants to come and sit down and, and go over like what they can do to make it better, and and, and I commend them for that. Um, but it just wasn't ready for the use that we were. We you were beat them up. Yeah, you <laughs> really beat them up. Yeah, we were. Tell
2: you, my Southern Pride's been up and down the freeway a zillion times, and it just keeps on going. Right. She's never broken. I've only lost one cook, and it was because I pushed the wrong button. Right. And that was a horrible day in my life. Right. It's
1: isn't it's it, horrible. It, it? We talk about it because we fucked up a lot of stuff on Thanksgivings for people, and we, we <laughs> laugh about it. Oh, but thanks. it's like. Man, there's Smoking nothing whew, there's nothing worse than that feeling that you get when you totally fuck someone's like day up and you're like man it, it really gets you right in the gut you know you just feel so yeah. bad it's like they were looking forward to this they man they're salivating they wanted this stuff and it's like you gotta tell them we don't got it we 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 fucked up we messed up we're, we're sorry this is 200 person whatever and you gotta figure out a way to to fix it but guess what I don't have I can't snap my fingers and say that you know we have 16 hours to make another brisket. It's just not going to happen right now. So, you know, figuring out how to backpedal and get out of it is is hard sometimes. But I mean, there's nothing worse than letting someone down that's waiting for your. You got to
2: know where your Spartan Finals are because you've got to go buy their marinated tri-tip and throw it on when you. Right. Yeah. Like that.
1: Or your Valley Farm because uh, we have our marinated tri-tips you, all the time. I uh, gosh, Do you have any
0: stories of oh, things that went God. wrong? I have so many. <laughs> so many. How do you, How do you think I stayed in business? <laughs>
2: You know, I I have the five percent rule. Ninety five percent of what we do is flawless. Five yeah. percent absolutely sucks. Right. Of the five percent, three percent we troubleshoot behind the scenes. As it gets done. Two percent the client knows about. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm a very upfront with them when I know I've got that two percent. that I've got to declare. Yeah. You know. but it's usually isn't food issues. It's usually uh, clown issues or something <laughs> right. that really really happens. I I I just think that what. My story that sticks out in my head, it was Southern California Edison, uh, late 80s, up in Live Oak Park, up north in North County. And she told me she was going to have 1,000 people, and we were ready. And she had about five hundred people show up. Oh. And they have a Vons there. I don't think it was Vons then. Bought every hot dog in that store. Bought every bun in that store. I it, it, The general manager of that store should have gotten a medal. Everybody was running stuff out, throwing bottles of ketchup in my car. Right. You know, and I charged them so much money. Yeah. I just oh man, when it was over. <laughs> right. She was very grateful. Had their business for a long time until San Onofre. Uh, it happened. Ceased to Yeah. It oh, happens. You know, that's the, I mean, that's that's how the we, that's how you
0: make That's how you make a catering business. I mean yeah. our our one of the first caterings we did was actually for Shane Walton. He has a Notre Dame, he had a Shane Walton Foundation. So he had a golf tournament, he had a hundred people come out to this golf tournament. We're like, yeah, we're gonna do our ribs and we're gonna do brisket and we're gonna, you know, have wedding beans. We put on this incredible spread. These guys have been golfing all day long. There's athletes that have played in the NFL and they're all waiting. We didn't have anyone serving the ribs. Oh. So they were taking half racks. Seven full racks. minutes,
2: eight minutes, how long? Twenty eight golfers
0: left? out of a hundred got fed. Yeah. And I had to go jump on the sword and thankfully Shane's still is my friend, but yeah. <laughs> it was pretty yeah, embarrassing. It's good
2: if you're gonna have a bad embarrassment, if you're gonna have,
0: have guys proteins your if you're gonna have proteins on your catering line, make sure that you have somebody staffed, or there. even if
1: you don't, it's okay, but you have to let the person know. So, we're doing a, a wedding um, coming up, and she's like, You know what? I, I really just want it to kind of be you know, they serve themselves, it's kind of a rustic thing. I'm like, Great, just so you know, your price is gonna go up a lot, like double, double yeah. what, what you're and she's like, Well, why? And I explained to her, I'm like. Look, I'm a gluttonous fuck. So if I'm yeah. going through that line, I'm <laughs> scooping a huge plate full of all this delicious food. And a lot of people aren't going to eat it. So a lot of it's going to get wasted. We know the portions that we're going to serve to people. So the first people can get you know their their servings. <clears throat> And then she finally came around, where she's like, "Okay, yeah, I mean, I totally understand." I'm like, "Look, we can just serve them real quick, and and it will still be a rustic feel and all that, but you know, you're going to pay double the amount if you want to just right. have it just out and everyone does it themselves. It just doesn't make sense for us."
0: What What are your plans for the future?
2: Um, well, I really want to get I really want to be on the a barbecue team.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: um I also have a mobile kitchen that's sitting there that's empty, and I. And I don't know what to do with it. And then I thought, I'm going to turn it into some kind of cool rig. And so I want to do that. And uh, I have, I just want to get better at my craft. Mm-hmm. And it's good for my clients when I get better at, at this. No, absolutely. Um, so I want to continue to learn, continue to play, meet cool people like you. Sure. Figure out what we're doing. I don't, uh, I'm 61 I don't see any retirement ever. Right, Uh, you know there's there's food. I, I love love food. Love to cook. Love to cook at home. Sample taste. Um. Well,
0: you have it in your blood. I mean, you can't be doing. You can't be in this business unless you love the thrill of the rush. I mean, it's talking to the client. It's getting ready. We work when everyone plays. I mean, you, exactly. there's a reason we want to go and put on a barbecue festival and shut down the village and have 30 amateur barbecue teams competing for Spring Valley, and then have you know 30 judges and have right. barbecue restaurants and live band. Like, why would we do that on an NFL Sunday when? you know we've got plenty of other stuff going on You'd rather it, do it. we love doing it also
2: where you make sure you raise your boys in your business because they'll grow up to be have great work ethic and understand that all three of my kids are raised in this business and they're good at it they they all since well actually one son came back to work for me today so we had a 3 year rule you got to leave for 3 years work for somebody else figure out what good employers we are
1: You come back with a different attitude, we might rehire you. That's actually funny. We were um, talking about that. I was talking to my wife and just saying things like, you know, if my kids want to come into the business, they're more than welcome to. Um, I want them to be able to pave their own path. I'm very, very um, hypersensitive to, I don't want my kids to have to feel like they have to live up to what I've done. You know, I was fortunate to play in the NFL, do things. I don't want them to feel like they have to follow dad. I want them to create their own path. If that path so happens that they want to come in and and do the store well we'll work on it but i'm the same way they have to go work in another grocery store for two years they cannot just come into the store and be entitled which i don't think they will I have great kids and a great wife um but they they're going to go work somewhere else for a few years just to get to understand what goes on in other places then be able to come back and say okay i'm ready to do
0: this well i I just
2: had this morning my first child get rehired yeah that's coming back in
0: did you hire him
2: um no, he had to go to the HR department, oh, go through like the that. paperwork and there you go. go talk to the... Yeah, no.
0: <laughs> What's no. his title?
2: Um, he, doesn't, he doesn't get one for three months. Okay. Um, he's going to come in and start in the warehouse and... Uh, How old? He's he just turned 30 last week. Cool. So he's been out. He's been working for a, a rental company. He knows equipment really well. Mm-hmm. He's logistically brilliant. And so eventually he'll end up on the log- log- logistics side. He's why is, why is
0: logistics important? And catering. It's everything. Right. And
2: whether it's uh, you know, it's the logistics of cooking, the logistics of packing. I did a study one time and figured that I've sent ten thousand items out, individual items out for a party of three hundred people. So those ten thousand items have to get there. I've got a warehouse and a fleet of trucks and four guys that work hundred percent of their time in the warehouse just loading and it's systemized and we've got software that supports. <coughs> we know what we're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but no matter what, that 5% rule is going to play into it. You, you also asked what else would I like to do, and this is not a personal plug, but it's a sharing of knowledge. I've been consulting for catering companies Cool. Uh, through certified catering consultants. A group of us came together and said, we've been doing this thousand years between all of us. How are we going to help people? Right. So I have incredible clients, some that are just starting from, hey, I need to build a kitchen, to those that have been in business 15 years and are stalled, a lot of people with A lot of clients with people problems. How do you hire hire them, train
1: them, keep them them from, Mm -hmm.
2: you know. This is
1: probably a question you probably hate to to people to ask. But if you were going to give someone, you know, advice, like five tips, what would they be?
2: um, In relation to people or relation in total?
1: In total. And just in business, the catering business itself. If someone wants to do catering, you can say, okay, I want you to work on five things. And obviously, I think, you know, it would be, you know, community outreach and, you know, but what would the? Okay, t- well, I th-
2: I think that the the first thing, you know, keep in mind after decades of doing this, if you're going to build a business, you've got to make sure you've got the money and the cash flow to be able to take the time to make the mistakes.
1: Yeah, your float, absolutely. You got to
2: have the float because you're going to make mistakes <laughs> and they get costly, and people crash your trucks and stuff, you
0: know. Mm-hmm. So right. you're always kind and You don't have adequate insurance. Yeah,
2: no, I do, but
0: you still you crash my yeah. truck.
2: Yeah, <laughs> Um, So I I think you've got to have a business plan. Um, The next thing is that uh, don't work with family unless you're sure that that everybody's on the same page. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean that to make a a negative that that, there are a lot of barbecue people in this industry that do work with family, Mm -hmm. but make sure that you're, it's really important if you're going to have a business with family, you really have a delineation of responsibilities. So you can stay married and stay happy around that Thanksgiving table. decide if the third thing would be to decide if you're going to inventory and own all your equipment, or if you're going to subcontract your equipment. And I think that uh, starting up, people should subcontract everything for a mm-hmm. period of time and buy the most important pieces that they need to have. And then, you know, slowly add it. I have actually gone the other direction and uh, have gotten rid of a lot of equipment that took a great deal of, of maintenance. Yeah. So it's kind of a reversal for me. Um, the fourth thing that I would say is is understand how you want your ethics and your morals to fit into your business. What do you believe? How do you believe people need to be treated? And and I'm talking about employees. I'm talking about your purveyors. I'm talking about the guy that puts propane in the, you know, sure propane yeah. tanks. Um, how do you want people to treat everybody? And and I I'm, I'm tough and pretty ruthless sometimes. So. I learned the hard way. I was expecting everybody to, to be as compassionate and passionate about what we do and care as much as we do. So I think new business owners need to realize that that employees are not going to feel that way. Yeah. So you have to tap into what's important to them. And it's a job. Everybody works for money. When I when I realized how to make people happy at a job, uh, I mean, I have, I've had people with me that have been with me over 25 years. Right. You know, they stay. And I have a... When, Hundred something people working for me right now. So, are we perfect? No. The last thing I would say is is always plan for the time you want to get out. Mm-hmm. You know, don't burn out. Get out. Figure yeah. out how to take it apart and plan. And and I, now that's so funny because I never even thought about it until I was fifty five, and then I had spent a lot of time trying to figure out how to how to make those next transition sure. steps. So yeah. I don't believe that number five I would throw away because I don't think that's true. Uh, I'm gonna take. I'm gonna make a new number five.
1: Okay.
2: Um, I would invest in very good catering software. I would find software that is on the market that will run your business from top to bottom. What do you use? Uh, I use a product called Fusion. Fusion. Yeah, and we'll we've put, we'll we've put had the a link
0: in the show notes for, for 20,
2: 22 years. We were a beta site actually, mm-hmm. and it's everything from customer management. All the way through the final billing, every single report, load boards, um, kitchen sheets. You know, earlier you asked me about quantities and things. All of that is calculated in an algorithm. Comes menu right out of that software. Does it have
0: menu engineering for recipes? It oh, has yeah. menu
2: engineering. It takes it down to how much kosher salt you've got to use. So I think that. A handful. Yeah, a <laughs> pinch. <laughs> that, that's, is, hey, Gene, Gene. That's literally <laughs> how
1: my dad, God bless him, I love a him handful. to death. My dad's like the nicest. A pinch. Guy. A but it was like, Put That's Two, two was handfuls of pepper and two handfuls of salt. I'm like, Dad, you know your hand? It's a lot bigger than his hand. So these recipes aren't... really like, let's measure that out and get it down to a, a science. He's like, you know what, son? That, that sounds like a good idea. Okay, <laughs> great. Let's, let's do it.
2: You're lucky he was open to it.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, I, I honestly... I'm very, very fortunate to have the dad I have because he is such... He allowed me to be who I am and... <clears throat> He knew that the my best way of learning is experiences, mm-hmm. so he never wanted to take those away from me. So he wanted to say sometimes when I'd come up with an idea, he'd be like, you know, even though he had done it before and and failed, he'd be like, okay, son, go, go for it. You know, what I mean? what's he, your dad's name? Don, Don 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 Marceau. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. a saint. He is. My
2: dad George Taylor is the one that taught me how to grill. Yeah, I was eleven. And he would have these beautiful ribeyes, and he'd say, okay, here you go. And I, there were six of us in the family. And, he
0: gave you ribeyes to cook uh-huh. at 11? Mm-hmm. Wow.
2: but that's a lot of trust. everything was on time. Hmm. You, seven minutes flip, five minutes off. He never tempted anything. He taught me how to touch stuff. Sure. And you now you get in the catering business, you can't be poking your food. <laughs> unless you have a glove on. I mean, it's so, fr- I'd like, start to reach. I'm like, no, I cannot poke that woman's steak. Right. <laughs> so it, that's a little bit different. But... Uh, uh, this industry is uh, brutal, ruthless, and it's so rewarding. It's, it's uh, you know, to make a life out of doing what the three of us do and everybody else in this barbecue world. It's just such a joy. I'm yeah. so incredibly blessed.
0: Yeah. And really. It's incredible when you think about the impact that you've had. I mean, you have this infographic that we'll uh, put in the show notes, but I mean, just this was four years ago when you were celebrating your 30th, and you said after 30 years of fun in the sun, we've served over a million kids, 100,000 pounds of tri-tip you've cooked, you've served over a million plates of barbecue food, grilled over $1.5 million hot dogs. I mean, 1.5 million hot dogs. I mean, that's incredible, the amount of lives that you've touched. And they come to you, picnic people, they come to you because that's a special time for them. you know, And that's the memorable time. And all the logistics that we didn't talk about of the setups and the breakdowns and the easy ups and the trash can, all that matters is that when people look back on that company picnic, they look back with a smile and they, they realize, like, I remember when I, you know, one employee of the month and I was recognized on Mission Bay and picnic people, they were there and they did just an incredible job with my kids and my family. That's important because now you're helping that company with their company culture.
2: That touches my soul. That's why I
1: do what I do. All right. Well, we can't thank you enough for uh, taking the time to come out and, and talk to us. I know you're probably very busy with what you got going on. I mean, it's uh, it's it's an honor to to talk to you and, and hear your stories because Sean and I, are you know, we're at the the beginning of stages. You know, he's ten years and I've been in this business for eleven years. But um, you know, we're we're sixty two years old for the store, but we're just kind of starting our our you know, wave that we're going to keep going and, you know, talking to people like you really helps us understand what we can do and who we can touch. And when you said, uh, you know, it touches your soul. It's, it's funny. I was getting to talk to my buddy and, um, you know, he, he's, he's like, man, I just, how do you do what you do, Derek? It's just wild. Like you're always going, you're always in your, you're, you just go, go, go. And I, I realized that my, I'm not driven by the monetary values and gains. I'm truly m- moved by, by the feelings I get from helping people. And if I can continue to do that, when I lose that, I'm going to switch what I'm doing. But if I can continue to do this and and you know continue to touch people and make people happy, and you know, continue to figure
2: out how to make money.
1: Yeah, because yeah, this
2: yeah. is I I I do what I do and love it. Right. But I get paid for it, right. and I'm worth it. Right. You know, I work hard for people. Yeah. So.
0: Well, I, I also I, I also want to thank you for your burning desire to continue your education. It's something that my grandfather taught me. It's something that we that's why we do this podcast <laughs> yeah. is that we can help give back uh, to the barbecue community, to people that own small businesses, even if they're not in the food business or hospitality business. And um, for us, you know, meeting you at NBBQA, and then I'm sure we'll see you um, for IMBBQ 2019 in Kansas City Absolutely. in April. Looking um, forward to it. I'm so but,
2: proud of you two. Thank this you. is great you. what you're doing. Thank you very it's much. It's really wonderful. Well, and you're so much fun.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we try to be.
2: I think your audience should really see where we are uh, above so, this incredible, incredible. Culture <laughs>
0: how can people get in touch with you? At Picnic People's the social handle. But
2: uh, how- uh, Lisa R. at Picnic dot com. Cool. You can email me. Perfect. And call me. You know, I didn't get to answer all those questions about uh, serving portions and stuff. So just call me.
0: Perfect. Okay. Well, um, you're in the consulting game, and uh, obviously we're going to always look to you as a resource. I'll
2: even answer questions for free.
0: Ooh, we like that. We like (laughs) free. Yeah, I do. Um, And we do want to give our social shout-out every week. Um, If you're following the show, interacting with the show, hashtagging Behind the Smoke. uh, Francie Bakes. uh, Francie Bakes and Q. Texas Girl in Denver. Uh, She's a Traeger, Traeger girl, and she's been tagging us. So thank you. You got a new Behind the Smoke mug uh and they're come, lovely come way you have one this
2: is the nicest thank
0: thing. you thank you um thank you for coming on and picnic people we can't wait to see what you do next lisa uh thank you for your time sean derek happy uh, thank you happy weekend hey guys this is sean and derek and we just really want to thank you for listening to the podcast it means the world to us We'd like you to go check out BehindTheSmokeMedia.com. That's our website where we have barbecue resources for you to help build your barbecue business. Uh, We also have events listed. So anything that's happening in the West Coast barbecue movement, uh, anything that's going on, we want you to go check that out so you can learn more and get involved.